tokusatsu, taking the form of many shows including Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, and Metal Heroes. And today, a group of fans come together to review it for you as Toku Secrets. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Toku Secrets Podcast presented by AnimeSecrets.org. I am your host, Nathan DeSoff. And today we are taking another step into our journey of uh, Samurai. As we continue to look at Samurai Sentai Shinkinger, today we are going to be taking a look at Acts 34 through 43. We got the whole crew back for this, so uh, I'll let the crew uh, introduce themselves real quick. I am Shinkin Silver, and the rest of the crew will now uh, say who they are. So go ahead, guys. I'm Shinkin Black. I have returned from the depths. Shinkin Green. <laughs> well, what, what's your color, Patrick? Red, because I'm a homer for this season. <laughs> okay, it's my photo. <laughs> Damn hot garbage. Sweet. <laughs> oh, so his opinion um, hasn't changed much, huh? Oh, no, 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 no. You missed a lot last episode, all right? I See, I was about to ask that before we started, but I didn't get a chance to. <laughs> you missed a lot. <laughs> um, um, let me let me recap that real quick because it's, it's come up now. So I have gone from Takaru being hot garbage to the point of I hate this guy to wow, Takaru is finally showing signs of being a human being and actually liking people, and it's a really refreshing thing to see Takaru actually caring for his team and having compassion and mm-hmm. not being a complete jerk all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, so like new, I like this new face he's putting on. He's slowly starting to see the light, guys. There is hope. <laughs> he's still garbage, but he's not and, hot garbage. Yes, yeah. it's... Mm. There's, there's light... Yeah, light, yeah, light no. this is... Not, we're, not, we're not there yet, but he's he's getting the idea. That, that that's that's where we left off last episode of the podcast. <laughs> is that taking small steps? We're taking small steps towards me yeah. understanding Tucker and liking him. Well, like I told well, you, I'll continue period. this time. Yeah. Well, like I said at the beginning of this review series, it's a season long process. So, look, man, we're not done yet. No, we're not. <laughs> So therefore, you can hold it. <laughs> we got a lot. Go ahead, Riz. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I'll I will I'll give a final certification on Takaru's hot garbage status at the finale. <laughs> so anyway, um, to kind of uh, go off with uh, what Riz said, uh, we had a lot that happened in the previous video. And spoiler alert, there's going to be a lot that happens in this batch of episodes that we cover as well. Um, we're going to give a, a, just a brief recap. Um, we were shown flashbacks about the past lives of uh, Dayu and Juzo, who were uh, previously human before they became Ghetto Shu. Uh, Dayu broke away from Dokoku because he destroyed her Shamisen, and Juzo was defeated by Tekiru. In a one-on-one duel, and his sword, Uramasa, was broken. Uh, we got a new villain named Akumaro, who is, who is both, at least as far as we're concerned, pretending to work with uh, Dokoku and Chitari, 
while also forming an alliance with Dayu and Juzo on the side. Uh, he basically has promised that he'll repair their destroyed items if they work with him. Um, and the Shinkingers got quite a few uh, new pieces of their arsenal. Um, they obtained a new weapon called the Enromaru, which allows one Shinkinger to transform into a super mode, um, which gives them like this uh, white sleeveless, um, you know, code and increases their power. The Enromaru allows them to combine their origamis. Uh, they can combine Shinkino and Dakayo to form Dakai Shinkino, and they can combine all of their uh, auxiliary mechs to form the Ika Tinku Buster. Um, we also got introduced to, um, now, it was introduced in a movie, but it still appeared in one episode, the Kyoryu Origami, which gives the Shinkinjers access to Hyper Mode, which is like a red version of their Super Mode, and gives, except it transforms their Shinkimaru into like this powerful, like, stretch sword called the Kyorumaru. Um, Genta has a new um, friend, a talking lantern-like mech with artificial intelligence named Daigoyo, who can also, um, you know, enlarge himself and help Shinkin Gold. Uh, Daigoyo was awesome, by the way. Uh, and uh, the last episode um, that we covered, the Shinkinjers got access to a powerful origami that was sealed away, but it was freed by a boy named Hiro called the Ushi origami, or uh, Ox. Um, for non-Japanese speakers. And the Ushi Origami has its own uh, warrior mode called Mogyu Dayo. And, uh, and uh, plus, uh, you know, Riz is still back and forth over whether or not he likes Takeru. So uh, there's that. Um, and here we are. So. I mean, like right now, I like Takeru more than I hate him. I don't actively hate him at the start of the review. I just don't find him to be a great red yet. There's a difference. Fair enough. That's, right. that's, the, that's clear because I didn't get Patrick earlier, by the way. Okay. Carrying on. Alright, let's jump right in because we got a lot to cover. Um, Act 34... Um, this is called Fatherly Love, Girlish Innocence. We get a Mako-centric episode. It's mostly a filler. Um, so to uh, kind of uh, sum this episode up, uh, the Shinkingers meet uh, Mako's father, uh, Mamaru. Um, he's a businessman who is uh, working in Hawaii, and he tries to get Mako to quit being a samurai and move to Hawaii with... Uh, him and his him and her mom uh and um pretty much uh we get flashbacks of mako's past uh her parents left her her mom was apparently left in a wheelchair and they left her to live with her grandmother because her grandmother is the one who trained her to be shink and pink and she only occasionally saw her father but never saw her mother um and mako was pretty torn up about her parents leaving her um at the same time, the Shinkingers are dealing with a plot from Akumaro, who's um, capturing a group of kids and having them build towers of rocks so that they can uh, create more gaps leading to the Sanzu River for more flooding. 
Uh, Mako locates uh, where the children are being held because she cleverly decides to plant a sensor on one of the captured kids. Um, and as the Shinkinders are trying to free the kids, um, Mako confronts her father, and her father reveals that they didn't abandon her. They wanted to take her to Hawaii all along, but her grandmother forced Mako to stay because she wanted a Mako to continue being a samurai. And, but he still had to take her mother away because her mother was too injured from the last battle. So Mako, who has been holding a grudge against her parents, um, basically lets it go. But she still won't uh, quit being chink and pink. And she uh, uses Super Shinkin Pink to defeat Akamaro. We get our mecha battle with one of Akamaro's uh, Kirigamis. And the episode ends with Mako's father leaving the airport, but um, Mako was briefly reunited with her wheelchair-ridden mother, and they, you know, decide to let go of the past, and we get a pretty emotional ending. Um, pretty good episode. Um, definitely great that we get some uh, more fleshing out of uh, Mako's past. Um, but I'll let the other guys uh, give their thoughts, uh, give more in-depth thoughts real quick. So go ahead, guys. Um, I don't know if it was me or if it was Anthony that said this earlier in this review series, but I think it was me that mentioned that Mako was probably the one character that got the least amount of screen time. And when it comes to a character, character focus episodes. Um, so this was kind of much needed, especially seeing how this is the, like the final, like filler cleanup part of the season before the finale hits. So yeah, it is nice to finally get something on her. Um, I don't know if it necessarily pushes her character forward any, but backstory is backstory. It's always welcome to get some of that. Uh, Riz, I think you said that you really enjoyed this episode ahead of the review, so you want to give your thoughts? Yeah, so um, like Patrick said, I, I have noticed that Patrick said that we don't get very many Mako-centric episodes. Um, they're very few and far between, and if you do get character development from Mako, it's through somebody else's story and their tribulations and problems. Um, so it's nice to see Mako dealing with Mako-type things on her own, or like, something that's not her being the mother to somebody else, basically. And that made this episode a lot more interesting to me. Because I genuinely like Mako a lot. Um, last time you'd asked me, Nate, um, about how I rate Mako, and this episode does a lot to like give her even more street cred than even before. Like I already liked her a lot, but this only enhanced her to me, in my opinion. Good. Okay. Anthony, stick words. Yeah. I also well, like this episode. Um, it made the whole family dynamic between Mako and Izgiri. Uh I enjoyed this episode. Um, it it further shows that Mako, you know, underneath the motherly figure that she is, 
there's also a side of her that is very vulnerable. So it's also nice to for a change that she is the one that has to break that that broke down and needed to that uh, that that comfort, you know, from her mother. Because she's always been the one comforting other people. Now it's someone else doing the company to her. And also, fun fact: um, the woman who plays uh, her mother actually. Wait, what? Hold on, give me one second because I'm. Yay, technical issues. Sorry, technical issues, everybody. Um. I I think I would add, though, that uh, I think this does kind of give, like, a subtle explanation on why Mako feels the urge to, like, you know, comfort people so much. Because, I mean, nobody really was there to comfort her as a child, so maybe she's trying to compensate for something. Um, that's, that's 100% what it is, really, is that yeah. she didn't get love growing up. And she, I think subconsciously, she wanted people to feel the love that she didn't get. Because she knows how it is to be lonely and missing her family kind of thing. Yeah, 100%. One, there is one very, very small thing that this episode shows that I kind of wish that this season did a little bit more in hindsight now that I think about it. Is showing the repercussions of the Shin Kendra team that actually fought Dokaku the first time. Because she's, yeah. the, ol she's the only previous Shin Kendra we actively see in the show it it would have been the, great to enhance the lore more to get that you know yeah because she's you know for all intents and purposes paralyzed and yeah. it really shows like because up to this point we're gonna get to that in a little bit but up to this point we haven't seen Doku fight yet so we've only really been given the whole oh he's big and tough speech but seeing one of the people who directly fought him the last time be in a permanent state of injury kind of kind of has like a, a dire like foreshadowing of things to come and it's something i kind of wish they hit on more a little bit especially seeing how this is a a legacy team yeah i, I wish they could have done like a at the very least like a movie to like cover what happened the first that, time that would have been sick actually yep because that because then you could have seen the yeah. parent dealing with you know oh, yeah that, i think that would have been really cool either a movie uh, or like a, a full flashback episode or something that actually would have been really nice mm -hmm. like a two-parter mm -hmm. um a brief thing to uh, say what anthony was going to say before he cut out i actually uh Checked. Um, the actress who plays, um, who plays uh, Mako's, um, she was previously a main character in another Sentai, um, not a ranger character, but uh, she was uh, Mickey Masaki in a Jukin Sentai Geku Ranger. She was a main character, just not um, a ranger. Uh, for those um, that uh, don't know the, that haven't seen Geku Ranger, I guess you could say that. Her character is like the equivalent. Uh, uh, Geki Ranger was adapted into Jungle Fury, so I guess she's like the equivalent of Fran. Uh, so, um, Anthony, I, th I think you can back me up with this. The character that um, was played by the actress who plays Mako's mother 
I guess you could say that she's like the Geki Ranger equivalent to Fran from Jungle Fury. I mean, I, I oh, she's more or less like the mentor character too. Yeah. She's a funny character, but she is like an important like she plays an important role in the show. Yeah, well, we'll be covering Geki Ranger uh after uh two seasons after we do this one, so we can let Riz and Patrick decide that later on. Um point is is that uh Shin Kinjarak 34 was pretty good. Uh any anything else you guys want to say about uh Act 34 before we move on? Nope. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, we have Act 35, 11, Origami, all combination. Uh, so you guys probably know what's going to be happening in this act. Um, this is a uh, Ryunosuke Shinkin Blue-centric episode. So, um, um, so as the episode begins, we learn from Genta that there is actually a true power from the Ushi origami disc that they received from Hiro, which would allow for them to combine all of their origami, but he thinks that it's too risky to use. Uh, most of this episode's plot um, revolves around Ryunosuke visiting a theater where a kabuki performance that he and his friend Shintaro were scheduled to hold before he left um, is about to be. Um, Akumara, meanwhile, releases this new Ayakashi called Futa Gawara, which um, he's using to attack the city, and it's, um, you know, uh, he basically just eats things, so he's kind of like Pudgy Pig, something like that. Um, and he eats Ryunosuke's Sotophone, so he can't transform. Um... While um, while Ryu Nosuke is out of commission, he briefly encounters Shintaro. Well, he doesn't uh, like they don't actually physically see each other yet, but he finds out that Shintaro is struggling to perform for the Kabuki show because he's just really frustrated with Ryu Nosuke because they have worked so hard to uh, get the show put together, and then of course he had to leave to become Shinken Blue. But of course he can't tell anybody that he's Shinken Blue, so. Um, it looks pretty bad for Ryunosuke. Um, and it was also apparently almost cancelled, um, which is a pretty big bummer, but it hasn't been cancelled. Um, so, uh, later on in the episode, um, the, uh, uh, while the Shinkindras are battling against Futagawara, uh, they briefly also battle uh, Juzo and Dayu, who intervene while he's eating because apparently his power, um, he needs to, like, you know, eat until he's full to gain his full power. And then what happens is that when he gains his full power, um, uh, Juzo and Dayu destroy him so that he can unlock his full power, which gives him, like, this shield, making him almost invincible. Uh, Ryunosuke briefly dons a kabuki outfit and uh, does his own kabuki performance for Shintaro. And uh, Shintaro gets basically uh, rejuvenated. Uh, and he knows it's Ryunosuke, even though Ryunosuke doesn't show his face. And all he does is just ask uh, Ryunosuke to return. Um, while battling against Futagawara... Um, in his giant form, the Shinkindras decide to use the Ushi origami disc to combine all of their origami. 
um, all 11. So that's the uh, Shishi Origami, Ryu, uh, Kame, Kuma, Saru, Kabuto, Kajiki, Tora, Ika, Ebi, and Ushi to form Samurai Ka'o. This is the equivalent of the Samurai Gigazord in Power Ranger Samurai. Um, and basically the uh, final overcluttered like cluster effort mech that we um, that we have in Sentai. Um, and it's completely ridiculous looking, but it's still awesome. Um, I love Samurai Hao. So they uh, they defeat um, they defeat Fudagawara, and uh, the episode ends with uh, Ryu returning to his friends and Shintaro returning to uh, perform Kabuki. Um, pretty good episode. Um, I I don't like how this is like I I personally think that like the introduction of a of like the final mech formation should be held for like a really big moment like for example with the last season that we covered gokaiger uh constant gokaio was introduced during a two-parter where they're having a battle with uh it's with um warzu gill that's a pretty big final battle but this like let's be honest if it didn't feature the debut of samurai Hao, this would be considered a filler episode so yeah. I guess I don't like I don't like how they introduce Samurai Ha'o in such a routine episode, but the Ryunosuke stuff is still pretty good. Uh, what do you guys think? I feel indifferent towards it. Like, sure, I, I, I don't mind Ryunosuke as a character, but I feel like this, if this felt kind of tacked on when, like, we're, we should be nearing, you know, Endgame, and you kind of, like, have this amazing new combination, but you also have, you know, Rinosuke, this, this, it, the stuff Rinosuke felt like it was, like, a little, little added on to the last minute, in my personal opinion. Mm. This really does feel like, well, the, the Rinosuke storyline, it feels like it should have been earlier in the season. Like, Right after everybody was pulled away from their personal lives, and like having has like the immediate impact of everybody having to be jerked away, had on the people around them. I feel like this episode was a little bit too late in the season for this. Um, and yeah, I, I can kind of understand your point about Samurai Ha'o being introduced in such a a whatever episode it does it i don't i don't know how they could have introduced samurai ha'o honestly because there really wasn't a good time to introduce him unless you wanted to save him for later against the final battle against dakamaru but as for the episode itself goes i i've, I've always been like a fan of or the, the basic concept of Kabuki because it's it, it's always interesting as someone who's not from Japan <laughs> to see uh, yeah. a, uh, other uh, countries' cultures and stuff and seeing how like how it's done behind the scenes like the practicing and his passion for it kind of like lingering over him this whole time 
um and how he he's he's almost like uh what's the word i'm looking for guilty for having to leave like this but that kind of brings me back to the point of I, this should have been earlier in the season maybe like episode like 13 14 or something not 35 yeah cuz so, it, it didn't okay. this this like depression of being pulled away from this never bothered him until now <laughs> So, I kind of saw this in a different light than you guys did. So, the way I viewed Ryunosuke up until now is, so, I always knew from the beginning, like, you could tell from, like, even episode one or two, he was not happy that he was pulled away from his kabuki to become a Sinkenzer, and he was doing it out of honor and tradition and family and all the other things that made him do it, right? But... He never truly was happy with it, but in his mind, I think he thought doing it and being as hardcore as he was and serious about it was his way to get back to what he loved quicker. Because if he's kind of like just, you know, goofed around and didn't really put a lot of time and effort into being the Sinkenzer and defeating the evils and getting back to his own life, I mean... He he thought he'd be back in a couple of months, I think, or maybe like in a you know a short order, and it it really hits him when he realizes, in my opinion, that he sees the young performer flyers for a show that he was designing before he became Sin Cancer, and I think that's when it hit him that wow. It's been a lot longer than what I thought it would take for me to get back to do this kind of stuff again. And I'm missing out on things that I planned, and it really sucks. I thought this is really phenomenal character development. I don't really think... I understand why y'all say episode 13, 14 for this kind of thing. But also, I think it's nice to have it here. If not because... It shouldn't just be in the beginning that we feel sorry for them that, you know, they give up their lives and then the rest of the season we're just kind of like, okay, yeah, y'all are distinct hinders, your lives don't matter anymore. This is a nice reminder that these guys are not here because they want to be in some cases. They're here because of generations of family tradition and honor, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I can I can see that perspective. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I personally had no... I mean, my sole issue with this episode is just the fact that it's a... That it's a pretty, like, standard, like, character development filler episode, yet it's the debut of the final mech. I mean, I, I don't really mind any of the Ryunosuke bits myself. No. You were going to say... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something, Patrick? Um, and yeah, I, I get it. Especially when you mentioned that the whole this taking a lot longer than they probably all expected it to thing kind of hit. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get what you're trying to say. I mean, it does, it does make the episodes um so a little bit better on me now. So 
one other comment I want to make on this episode. So, in the first episode or two, while I kind of felt he wasn't really in it, in it, like he didn't really want to be there, I still saw a huge parallel with how much I disliked, um, is his name Kevin in America? Yes. I didn't, I, I didn't like him the same way I didn't like Kevin in the beginning, but I can say that throughout the season, much like Takaru, Ryanesuke has been improving, and while Ryanesuke was never as bad, in my opinion, as Takaru was in the beginning, Ryanesuke still had a lot of growth to do, and it's nice to see that growth happening. Like, this is a season of Sentai where character development is a huge deal. And yeah. I am here for it 110%, man. Yeah, like, this, this is great stuff. That's one of the reasons why this is my favorite Sentai, because it feels like all six of them feel like different characters by the end of the series. Yeah, I, I mean, they really do. Say yeah. that, you can't say that about a lot of Sentai or Power Ranger seasons, for that matter. Oh, it's almost absolutely like, not. I mean, maybe there's one or few. two of them, but to have the entire cast change, it's it's hard to do with such a, a cast that size, but this season does a really good job of handling that. Yeah. But Riz, can you at least agree that maybe they could have picked a better way to introduce Samurai Ha'o? Oh, definitely. They could have done that in a much more elegant way. Well, honestly, honestly, what they should have done, they should have had the... Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. The OC origami uh, two-parter, that should have been made into like a three-parter or something where they had another episode of Steve family development, like more lore about the background of these powers and these families and all that stuff. And maybe it's that, you know, there's another village or another settlement that they have where the power of how exists and they have to go there meet another branch of the family that's not part of the sin kinder line of duty but like just another defense family like this one was you know yeah also by the way patrick uh, re- uh reference for you the oc episodes were probably my favorite up until now really yeah hmm. interesting I, I really enjoyed the uh, the family connection and like the the lore of like you know generations of families have been guarding this one disc and this one zord, much like how we have families of people who are becoming sinkinsers and being called onto duty when they have to be. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the thing we talked about a little bit ago of wanting to see the previous team that fought Dokaku. One of the things yeah. that makes this team so interesting is the the history and the lineage, and they do not dive into that enough. They, they really don't. And that's what I'm saying is, like, if they had expanded the story from the OC two-parter or whatever to, like, be greater and have more relevance in the story going forward, mm-hmm. um, they could have done a really great Ha'o introduction that would have blown your mind away, I think. Yeah.
Anything else you want to add to this episode, guys? Anybody? No, nah, man. I'm good. All right. Uh, you good, Anthony? I'm good. All right, cool. Um, brief thing to mention, um, at least according to the Ranger Wiki, these two things take place between this episode and the next, or I guess sometime in between, since, you know, now Samurai Ho is a thing. Um, we had two specials. Um, now, neither of them were released in between these episodes, but they're considered to take place uh, after this point. Uh, we have a movie, a pretty brief movie, called uh, The Light Samurai Surprise Transformation, which is just a very short special where they like to show off some of the new things. Uh, only real thing that really happens there is that Genta transforms into Hyper Shinken Gold. Only time it happens. Um, we, of course, have uh, the annual crossover movie between Samurai Sentai Shinkinger and Injin Sentai Goanger. Um, unlike, the, uh, unlike the previous Sentai that we reviewed, where the uh, crossover movie actually had some pretty big impact on the plot, this one doesn't. Um, it's still a pretty good movie. I like it. Yeah. Uh, 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 the only things to note there is that a Go On Red uh, uses um, uh, hyper mode, so he becomes hyper Go On Red. And for the first time, and maybe they're still doing this, maybe they're not, but um, for the first time in any crossover movie, we get a sneak peek first appearance of the Sentai that will succeed Shinkinger. Uh, we get a sneak peek of the uh, Go Sagers appearing in suit only. They appear briefly in that movie. Um, that was the first time that any Sentai ever did that. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, so that's the first red handoff that we see then, or what? No, no, no. no. This is it's more like just a brief, like, like for example, in the Gokaiger crossover movie with Gavin, there's a brief scene where Bosco tries to steal the Ranger keys from the Gokai Galleon, but then the Go-Busters show the up. The go yeah. Yeah, no. this okay, was, so that's you're talking about. Yeah, I wonder the, if you meant that or like the at the end of every season you have like no, I, I think Go the Kai first Red time and Gobuster yeah. Red do I a shaking of hands think, kind of thing. I think the first time that happened was Decker Ranger to Maji Ranger. Yeah, yep, that was it. Yeah. Okay. Um. <clears throat> So after this, we get a Genta-centric, uh, sorry, I got tongue-tied there, Genta-centric filler episode called the Curry Samurai. Uh, I can sum up this episode pretty quick. Um, Kotoha, expect, um, Kotoha asks Genta to make her some curry rice when the Shinkenders visit his sushi cart. Genta has never made curry rice before, so he makes it, and... Everyone loves it to the point where he literally has people lining up at his cart to, um, you know, eat his uh, curry, which has never really happened before because it's a running gag in the show that his sushi is just really plain and nothing special. Uh, his curry becomes so popular that he literally has people waiting for him to open up his cart the next morning. He gets interviewed on live television about it. And uh, eventually, a businessman approaches him and wants him to uh, wants to open up his uh, wants to like expand his uh, sushi cart into a restaurant and open up a chain. And Ginta uh, becomes excited because that's his dream. But then, of course, his problem is that 
he'll be doing it because of his curry when he really wants to be known for his sushi. Uh, Kotoha feels guilty because she's the reason why he made the curry in the first place. And she tells Genta that he, sh that he shouldn't sell his soul, basically. Genta eventually decides not to go through with it and discontinues his curry. Uh, they both work together to defeat the uh, ghetto shoe of the day, during which uh, Kotoha finally gets to use the Enromaru and becomes super Shinken Yellow. She was the only Shinkenger that hadn't used it um, since then, uh, up to this point. Uh, thankfully, she finally has it now. Um, and yeah, the episode ends, they defeat the Ghetto Shoe, and Genta just goes back to making his sushi. Um, you know, Renz, I'm curious about your thoughts on this, because you said you really liked this episode before we started recording, so you go ahead and say some stuff about it, because I'm curious what you think. Uh, Riz? Oh, okay, well, um... Anybody else want to uh, get their thoughts real quick while we wait for Riz to come back? There's yeah, I'll say something. Go for it. For this one, I actually liked it. Um, it features, of course, you know, Kodaha being Kodaha. Um, I also like the fact that, like, I could tell that, like, when Gento was making the curry, he didn't really feel fulfilled as. You know, a as a food as a you know a food maker, and he felt like, yeah, this is this is great and all, but I'm a sushi chef, not a. It, it's like he, it's like yeah, the money money and the attention he's getting is fine and all that, but you can't really have you know enjoy that without the passion, you know, like like oh yeah, he's getting the attention and all that, but that doesn't really matter when. It's not something he truly, truly wants. Now, if it was me and I was and I was, you know, making making bank doing that, I probably I probably wouldn't mind it. Sure, it's not what I would originally want to do, but I'm kind of a guy that can adapt to different scenarios. So doing that wouldn't really bother me as much. But Genta is different, and that's why I appreciate that he's not me. Genta, Genta isn't me. Mm -hmm. Whatever he does, will. If he does, he does things differently. I would, I would. So that's not an issue for me. So my mic button is fixed. <laughs> now, let, let, let me let me sneak in my thoughts because it's very brief. This this episode felt like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> in oh that, really? <laughs> in the, in the fact that he found success by accident and then not didn't want it. <laughs> that's that sums up a lot of episodes of Seinfeld. It's just that's not what I think about. Everything is a complete accident. <laughs> it 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 doesn't really do anything for Genta either. It's just kind of like a silly Genta being silly episode, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, but do you so, really need anything else when it comes to Genta? I mean, I do think the I do think that he has some room to be a little bit more like real because he's the the outcast.
pushed aside a little bit. And I kind of wish that they would have done more of the whole he's like a wild not card. not a real samurai. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's a wild card of the team and like how does that like affect the He should have been the, doing his own thing for a bit longer than he didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So when they get an episode just taking Genta's uh, cartoonish attitude and like turning the dial up a little bit, it kind of feels like wasted space. So for me, I once again, this season has some great character development. And I liked getting his more of his backstory because I didn't really I don't think I really knew that his dad had that entire idea of like, hey, here's a sushi cart and he wanted to go make a restaurant out of it one day and that was his dream and that's what he's working towards. And it it shows something more human about him. Because honestly, up until up until about now I couldn't decide if I thought of Genta as pure comic relief or if he could be a hybrid comic relief but also be taken seriously at times. This episode cemented it. There is a foundation laid in the earlier episode, but this is the one that really like cements like, yeah, Genta can be serious and he can have serious moments when he wants to, which is something that when you have a comic relief character in a season, those kind of moments are kind of far and few in between, you know? Like, you have this one with the cart and the curry and all that, and then you have the one where he programs using his phone the uh, the disc that makes the Super Samurai Mode thing that I forget the actual name for. Inromaru. Yeah, that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he had two really important scenes that kind of show that Genta is more than a comic relief goofy guy who just wants to make the world's best sushi. And that, you know, like, he he has a personality. He cares, you know? Like, yeah. um, in episodes, you can kind of feel the familiarity of him and Takaru. Like, it's not overt, like, in your face, but you can definitely feel that subtle connection between the two of them throughout and i like that as well about genta yeah yeah that, that does kind of reflect what i was saying but i kind of wish that the plot lined up with that a little bit more because i felt like the plot for this episode was a little bit over exaggerated for an episode it, that was trying to humanize him a little bit more i guess make him more I relatable mean, i mean okay so i get trying to do it this way because they're trying to play on the heartstrings of his father and the family stuff. Well, I thought but they... they're also. Well, I, I think that kind of goes back to my point. What I was saying earlier, I wish they would have tied, made some of his episodes more about how does he fit in with. Yeah. When his legacy is with something else. That's what well, I'm... I mean. The thing. You missed it in the last episode, Patrick, but the thing that I like most about Genta last time is that he's not a true samurai. Like, he doesn't know how to dissemble. 
he doesn't do the symbols in the same way that the rest of the team does. He has a phone that does it for him. Mm-hmm. And he manages his own Majikaru with electricity and electronics. Like, Genta is just a true genius, but it's hidden behind all of this um, comic relief that we get. And then it doesn't really play in very often, like, oh, that he uses a different way of doing Mojikata than everyone else, or, oh, he's not a true samurai. Like, that could have been stuff that it would have strengthened even him and Takaru's bond more, because that would have been putting it to the test a little bit, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, while I enjoyed the episode because I got more Genta focus and, like, more of him being serious and more character development, I definitely agree with you that there should have been more, like, questioning his identity than there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any more uh, commentary on this episode, guys? No. No. I mean, I'll briefly note that... I- this episode was actually adapted into Samurai. Uh, they actually took like the first five minutes of this episode, the first battle where Genta shows up late and they actually put it in for some filler time for that Clash of the Red Rangers movie. And then that monster just Ugh. disappears and is never seen again. That was that was so stupid. That um, sounds about right for the yeah. abhorrent yeah. levels of editing Samurai had. Yeah. Just wanted to briefly note that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That was just always really annoying because I hate that movie. I hate that Clash of the Red Rangers crossover more than I probably hate. Maybe not as much as I hate Once a Ranger, but I still hate it a lot. I was about to say, it's, be careful with your words, Nate. They, <laughs> they somehow watered down the Shinkenger Go on your crossover movie even more. I didn't even think that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I just absolutely hate that. Um, next up, we got another filler episode called the Epic Glue Battle. Um, well, I'll just sum up this uh, episode very briefly. We don't really have to go into much detail. Uh, Akuma releases a new Ayakashi that. Has this like has these glue powers that just has the you know he can shoot glue at people, and he uses this power to um, create these uh, like glue like bands that uh, basically leave Ryu, Nosuke, and Chiaki glue together, and they're not able to free themselves. So they have to learn how to work together and get in sync so that they can fight and. Uh, Basically, as the episode goes on, they both learn how to, uh, you know, work with each other. You know, Ryunosuke admires how uh, Chiaki is able to um, compensate for his lack of, you know, conventional um, fighting and um, Mojikara practice with more creativity. And they use that to their advantage. And yeah, that's pretty much the entire episode. Um, It's a pretty standard episode. filler episode um i think it's okay i think that it works with the feud between shiaki and ryanusuke but uh it's uh 
it's just an episode. Nothing bad, nothing good. You know what I mean? I didn't like it. I'll come on, Sarah, real quick. Um, <laughs> this episode had... Had they gone a different direction, it could have been actually pretty decent. So my, my complaint here is it shouldn't have been Ryunosuke and Siaki. It should have been Takater and Siaki. And it should have been set, like, episode nine or something. Because uh-huh. that would have been a better timing to, like, have this kind of thing being tested and, like, help Takater break out of being, you know, a complete jerk because he'd have to learn to work with somebody. And the same with Siaki. He didn't like Takater, so... Putting them together where there's an actual tension early on would have been a lot better than now when there's not really there's not really tension anymore between anyone at this point. Well, I mean, Rios Kanchake to this point had kind of been not a fan of each other's approaches. It's kind of, it's been very underplayed, but there's been a bit of a theme of Chucky not liking Rios K's like over loyalty and Rios K not liking how Chaka was taking everything so casually. But yeah, this is the first also- time they had really done anything with that character dynamic. And I feel like they kind of rushed through it because this the pacing of this episode wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. It was it- this episode just felt like really rushed and so it was a good concept, but they just they sped through it too much. The yeah. the chore- the choreography was pretty good, and the the Gadoshu was a bit uh, borderline needing censorship at times. Um, I mean, come on, let's be real. Everybody saw how provocative this thing was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just cover everything in white gunk. Okay, censor bars. We need the censor bars. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. I didn't think about it now, but he's doing uh, what? Everybody see that? <laughs> this is, come back to this episode. And everything's pixelated. <laughs> Lord. Oh <my> <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, did you want to say anything, Anthony? Did you already? Um. Yeah. I really didn't have anything to comment on this episode, really. Yeah, pretty standard episode. Yeah. Uh, we got another filler episode next. Um, Act 38, the gunnery showdown. Um, it's a pretty good one, though. Um, so... In this episode, we learn that G takes a a day off um, pretty much once a year. Um, He does it on the year of his wife, on the anniversary of his wife's death. And it's revealed that he actually has a daughter, and his daughter is actually married and has a daughter of her own. Uh, But G doesn't like to uh, really stay in contact with them since, uh, well, he hasn't since he started raising (laughs) Takeru. And he doesn't really want them to be that close to the battle. Um, and Takeru was determined for G to be able to uh, take this day off because he knows it's important to G. So 
Uh, most of the episode is the Shinkinders trying to, uh, you know, cover up everything um, while, you know, in order for G to take his uh, day off to the point where they even try to rig the uh, sensor that detects the ghetto shoe. Um, they're battling against a ghetto shoe that's training the Nanashi how to use guns, like projectile weapons, which proves to be pretty uh, deadly for them. Um, and the episode ends with them getting overwhelmed by the uh, by the rifles, but then G shows up, having apparently been visiting the family of um, Hero's family, the people who were um, who uh, were guarding the Ushi origami, because apparently Hero has been studying Mojikara and has created a new weapon for the Shinkinjers called the Mogyu Bazooka, which is basically a blaster, a really big rifle blaster weapon themed after the uh, Ushi origami. Um, G is, of course, thankful that the Shinkinjers were considerate of him, but he insists that the Ghetto Shu must be defeated first. Takeru uses the uh, Mogyu Bazooka to defeat um, the Ghetto Shu of the day, and then we also learn that the Mogyu Bazooka can actually be enlarged with Mojikara so that Mogyu Dio can wield it, which is pretty cool. And the episode ends on a kind of emotional note where Takeru actually leads G to a bridge where his daughter and her family are. And um, there's a where they both acknowledge each other, but they don't really say anything other than that. And that's how the episode ends. Um, I absolutely love this episode. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that I never put it in my top 10 uh, Shinkinger episodes before, because looking back now, I would definitely do that, because I think it really speaks volumes to the father and son relationship that G and Takeru have, to the point where Takeru was going like a million miles out of his way just for G to have this one day off. That That's simple stuff, but it's still pretty amazing, actually. What do you guys think? This is another landmark episode where Takeru proves he's not hot garbage, in my opinion. Well, G has always been kind of the, his weakness. Yeah. yeah, but even with Z as the weakness, I mean, there are times in the early episodes where Takeru probably wouldn't have done that in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, early Takeru, I could see homeboys being like, oh, that's cute. You want to go see your family, but we have a battle to win. You can see your family whenever it's over. Like, he could have verbatim said that, and I would have believed it. But Yeah. And I, love, and now, I, love I love how you're mentioning that Takuru is starting to loosen up. This is actually, we're going to get to this in a little bit. This actually become a plot point yeah. real soon. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's great. But, you know, hmm? It's a gradual thing over time. Mm-hmm. But can we just all talk about how good of a guy he is, too? He's kind of been mostly just like a, a side character for everybody. But when he does get the spotlight, he's like genuinely the nicest stinking guy. He, he reminds mm-hmm. me of Uncle Iroh a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. I, I got Uncle Iroh vibes off of him. Like seeing him happy just makes you haven't really said much, Anthony. 
<laughs> um, I definitely, definitely like this episode a lot. It, it was very sweet because this is the first time the Shikajers were trying to do something nice for G, and you know they did so much the fact that they tried to hide, you know, their literal like demon sensing sensing uh, bells to make sure he has a, has a good time with it, um, seeing his family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like they really do care, and I, it it shows. They're going from an obligation of like family obligation to like becoming a family of their own. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's breaking Takara of his mold that was really prominent in the first few episodes. Well, uh, we're going to have uh, some big character development for Takeru uh, in a little bit with this video. Moving on. Um, I don't want to call this episode a filler episode because it does have impact on the next few episodes, but it's a Takeru-centric episode. Um, Act 39, the very urgent first aid emergency. Um, So to uh, sum this episode up as best as I can, um, Akumaro is performing this, this um, basically the ceremony in... Um, a city in the mountains where he's sending ashes of burned paper everywhere, and that's causing people to go insane and try to kill each other. And uh, the Shinkinders get split up while they're um, trying to uh, investigate it. Um, so um, you have, uh, and he of course has uh, his two sidekicks, Daiyu and Juzo, split up. Um, so uh, he, um, Akumaro himself, turns Chiaki and Genta against each other while they're fighting. Um, Daiyu simply fights uh, Ryunosuke and Kotoha. But uh, the big plot point is that uh, while Juzo is fighting Takeru and Mako, he, no, he uh, says that he no longer feels the uh, urge of battling Takeru. Like, he thinks Takeru has become... Uh, he says that Takeru has become weaker and, you know, he's depending too much on his teammates and uh, the retainers, the other Shinkinjers. And that really has a major impact on Takeru. Um, you know, like he's starting to wonder, like, if he really has changed and, you know, he's depending too much on his retainers. And Mako tries to give him a pep talk saying that um, while he has changed, he shouldn't let that make it seem like he's weaker because he's not, but Takeru just, you know, writes it off and just, you know, goes out, you know, he kind of returns to being a little cold and he, um, pretty much, uh, the rest of the episode is just Takeru going and trying to just, um, save the day himself. Uh, Juzo actually criticizes Takeru even more when he sees that Takeru is using the Mogyu Bazooka, a.k.a. a blaster weapon. But uh, Takeru is still able to use it to destroy the fire and free people from the spell. The Shinkinjers fight another one of the uh, of Akamaro's Kirigamis, and they defeat it with Samurai Ha'o. The episode ends with Takeru walking off, not letting Genta have his victory clap, which is an unspeakable sin, <laughs> I guess, by the logic of this show. Um, 
And uh, Mako, of course, knows what's going on, but she doesn't tell the other Shinkinjers what's going on with Takeru, even though uh, he very clearly is um, going through some stuff. And that's how the episode ends. Um, I think I'm going to let the other guys uh, take uh, give their commentary, since this is a pretty deep episode. So go ahead, guys. This is also the first episode that really kind of starts the final arc of the series season two yeah yeah you can say that the talk between mako and takaru is like the first real like planted seeds of there's something else to this story that just hasn't been revealed yet because and this whole time it's almost like he's been reluctant to have them around his retainers and he started to loosen up and welcome them back in and then when he gets reminded that oh he's welcoming back in he doesn't take it very well and now his his old facade that he had in the early part of the seasons he's trying to bring it back up clearly as like a defense mechanism for something so this this is it, this whole episode, probably the first time you watch through it, doesn't seem like anything, but in hindsight, this episode is really important. For it, It's very significant. And so, something that I think needs to be said here at this point about this season is Takaru is Fortunately and unfortunately, at the same time, the most important character in the season. Yes. I say fortunately because he he is a good character in terms of making people feel stuff. Case in point, I hated him at the beginning. Case in point now, I kind of like him. He He's growing on me, right? Like... When when a character can do that kind of thing, that's a pretty big deal. But the unfortunate part of it is he he has to go through that journey. And mm-hmm. the reason why, I mean, it'll come later, I, I'm sure, but it, it's just a difficult thing. It's It's hard, right? Like, you see this guy who he's trying to open up, he's trying to become friends with his with his retainers and even from the beginning he said i don't want them i don't need them i don't want anyone to really be there for me i'm I'm my own man i don't need anyone take that guy and then have him tell somebody that's like another retainer to the family but not like a warrior retainer yeah don't worry about the niceties don't worry about calling me lord this lord that I'm I'm just a guy. Tell me the story of what happened. That's all I want to know right now. Uh, Patrick, I'm talking about the OC episode where the old mm-hmm. man's trying to be all nice to him and give all the nice he did that the Lord deserves. Where he's like, I don't need all that crap. Just yeah. tell me what's going on. Um, so it it's interesting to see this development. Um I really think that this is the beginning of something a lot bigger. Um, Ooh, yeah. 
I know I know what it leads to because I've seen Samurai, but you don't. Know I also how it knows. <laughs> exactly. That's what I don't know. It's how it mm. happens. But it's nice to see him becoming self-aware and realizing where he was and where he is now. Mm-hmm. Because y'all gotta admit, he was hot garbage in the beginning. All right. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. No doubt. That was the intent, <laughs> right? Because, but see, in the beginning, that intent was not uh, was not obvious, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's still not obvious to me because I, I I don't know what's going to happen. But it's becoming apparent that there's a good reason for why. Mm-hmm. And these little things that I mentioned, like I don't know if y'all noted this when y'all watched the OC episode. When he made that comment to the old man, I don't know if y'all ever noticed that or really thought much of it then. Where he doesn't uh, want that's to be another, as Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the reason I noticed it is probably different than what y'all, what your reason if you did notice it was. Mm-hmm. I was so I, I mentioned an Nathan last time. Takaru has been under this huge magnifying glass in my review of the series in this podcast. Every little action he takes, I'm overanalyzing him, I'm being critical of him, because I wanted to understand you, in particular's opinion of him, mm-hmm. and why y'all thought he was such a good character. And I grappled with it on and off, and honestly, there were two big episodes in our last batch of um, episodes we reviewed, that really began to show you Takaru's growth had begun. The first was uh, with uh, Kotoha and that Kotoha-centric episode we had, and then the other was the OEC episode. And now with this episode, it's really becoming apparent, yeah, he, he's changed. He's not an asshole anymore. And that fact frightens him because he doesn't know how to take it. So and, that's my soapbox hot garbage discussion. Y'all can kind of fill in the gaps now. Yeah, and, and it's more for other implications that will be determined uh, in our last uh, review episode uh, <laughs> next week. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> that is literally the entire focus of the final arc. Is that that uh, his a uh, justification for his actions up to this point but getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here but yeah let's, yeah, let's I, come back to this episode y'all yeah um yeah riz you you kind of like i'm, I'm glad you're starting to see it but still need i'm not blind to... <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm I mean, not blind to what's going on it's just it's like every review episode we've been like You'll see, I'm like, you'll see, you'll see, and you'll, you're like, oh, I bet. <laughs> the closer we get to the ending, the more and more you're, you're starting to get it. <clears throat> yeah, and like, it, it, now the question really becomes, there's no doubt I like him, but the question now becomes, will I agree with you all that he's one of the best reds in the franchise? That that's the next barrier we have to overcome now, and that's what we're yeah, working right. on. Next mm-hmm. couple episodes. Well, 
other than this talk, this episode really doesn't have much else to it. It's literally, yeah, let's, literally, let's... It's literally that, like, two, three minutes of conversation between him and Mako makes this yeah. episode. Everything else is pretty uh, standard. Yeah. So I'm ready to move on if you guys are, because I do realize the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we got um, another episode. Um, all these episodes kind of, uh, these next couple of episodes kind of combine into a four-parter, although the next episode is kind of loosely connected. But uh, we'll get to that when we uh, get to it. Um, Act 40, the honorable leader heads for the front lines. Um, it's uh, basically this is our the first time that the Shinkinders encountered Dokoku for the first time. Um, pretty much uh, throughout this episode, Takeru was still, um, you know, dealing with uh, the stuff that Juzo said. Um, and he almost actually hurts Chiaki in a training session before uh, he storms off. Uh, but Mako refuses to say. Uh, G um, actually listens to Takeru and tries to make him uh, feel better by saying he's not weaker. But those words still keep ringing in Takeru's head. Uh, meanwhile, um, Dokoku, who at the end of the previous episode has started to uh, remember Daiyu and her shamisen because apparently those, um, I don't know what they're called in Shinkinger. They're like these, like, really small, like they were called furry warts in Samurai. I don't know what they're called here. Um, but Yeah, I genuinely can't remember either because they're so insignificant to everything. Yeah, <laughs> but they've been... Humming the, um, they've been humming the song that she would sing on her shamisen, and that causes him to remember it. And we actually find out in a flashback that before um, Daiyu became who she is, she was actually playing the same thing on the shamisen, you know. And Dokoku really liked it because you know she, um, you know, like all the misery and suffering that he heard from her. To the point where when she did become corrupted and turned into a ghetto shoe, he was there waiting for her. So Dokoku really enjoys her shamisen music. Uh, so he tries to get it back from Akumaro, but then uh, Akumaro refuses, and uh, he actually turns on Chitari when Chitari goes to retrieve it. And we basically find out all along that Akumaro's whole alliance with Dokoku was nothing more than a ruse, and he also reveals to. Um, Daiyu indirectly that he only was helping Daiyu and Juzo because he wanted the misery that lies within her shamisen and he's also using Juzo as part of a scheme. Um, the Shinkinders um, get into the middle of a battle between uh, Akumaro and Daiyu and then Dokoku shows up really angry that Akumaro has betrayed him. And uh, this causes Akamara to retreat. Um, Dokoku is oh, pretty much beats all the Shinkinders into submission. And uh, Takeru gets really hurt. Um, Dokoku can't finish the Shinkinders off, however, because he starts to dry up and lose water and is forced to retreat back to the Sanzu River in his weakened state. But um, before he does that, he actually repairs Daiyu Shamisen. 
and uh, pretty much the episode ends with uh, Dokoku having to go into the Sanzu River um, to uh, regenerate himself um, since he's lost so much power. And with Dokoku out of commission, at least uh, at least for the time being, that leaves Akamaro to basically take over as the new big bad. Um, and Shitari, of course, can't challenge him, and the episode kind of ends on a cliffhanger there. Pretty cool episode. Um, I wouldn't say that it adds much character development, but it does begin a pretty good journey for Takeru. I think this was a pretty good episode overall. What do you guys think? It's also a pretty significant thing, because this is the first time we've seen Dokoku in action. Yeah. And he just comes in and just cleans house. He wipes the floor in like, her faces yeah. with no problem. And he was like, his body was half decayed, and he was still mopping the floor with everybody. Uh, it's, Imagine it's, full power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's always, especially seeing how we've seen Dogaku kind of like resting around all this time and we've heard nothing about how powerful he is and for him to just make this big of an impact it it, it is a noteworthy moment um but to the shock and awe of absolutely nobody Akamaru was a slimy piece of crap uh-huh. <laughs> everybody could see that deception a mile away let's be real right. here <laughs> Um, but yeah, this this episode there's a lot going on in it, but at the same time, there's not much relevant info that comes out of this episode, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah, um, but it does set up for uh, some of the stuff that uh, you know, bigger stuff yeah. that comes up later. It's a stepping stone episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up. Um, this is kind of a aftermath. Uh, just, I, I think this episode just kind of exists to just give us a little bit of a time to breathe before we jump into the big, bigger stuff, if I had to guess. Um, it's a Kotoha-centric episode. Um, it picks up from where the previous episode left off, where uh, Kotoha is uh, sitting next to Hikaru because she had to take him back um, to the Shiba mansion as he's recovering. Um, she gets a letter from her sister where, uh, you know, her sister is, um, you know, voicing concern of a co- over her fighting a shink and yellow. Uh, Genta actually ponders over what would it be like if Kotoha's sister was actually shink and yellow instead. Nice going, Genta. Um, and Kotoha feels like she's being spoiled by the other Shinkenjers. Um, like, you know, they're going out of her way to protect her and everything. Um, Akamaru releases another shit, um, Ayakashi, which can base, which basically, uh, you know, shoots sand at people to make them, like, you know, really hungry or thirsty, like, eternally, that can't be satisfied. And, um, Ryunosuke, Mako, Chiaki, and Genta are all, um, are all victimized by this spell while they're trying to protect Kotoha, and Kotoha blames herself. Uh, we get a really big scene where G um, confronts Kot- um, Kotoha about it, um, trying to tell her that she shouldn't blame herself for it. But Kotoha says that 
Kotoha wonders if things would be better if her sister was Shink and Yellow because, you know, she views herself as a substitute. And they also briefly talk about um, Takeru because Kotoha is worried about him and Takeru actually overhears this and he begins to think about his change in attitude. And then as the episode in, um, as the episode nears its final battle, that is, when um, Takeru and Kotoha go to fight the uh, Ghetto Shu together, um, G points out to Kotoha that never at any point in her sister's letter did her sister identify her as her substitute, which clearly states that she does not view Kotoha as her substitute. She views Kotoha as just Kotoha and nothing more. And hearing this from G causes Kotoha to realize that she's not a substitute for Shinken Yellow. She is the Shinken Yellow, the one and only Shinken Yellow. And she decides to stop viewing herself as her sister's substitute. And with her new confidence, she uses Super Shinken Yellow again to defeat the Ghetto Shu. And the episode ends with her accepting her role as Shinken Yellow. And she will fight her best and not be spoiled by the other Shinkenjers. And Takeru opens up and, you know, decides to stop being uh, as big of a jerk. And uh, at least for now, like, you know. And he acknowledges that uh, Genta got um, Genta's sushi cart had an appearance in a magazine, which uh, is something that Genta wanted to point out, but he was just all like, eh, whatever, in his bad mm-hmm. mood. And he pretends like, oh, I was just hungry. That's why I was in a bad mood. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say this right now. Um, if I'm not allowed, like, if, if I was put under circumstances where I'm not allowed to call the finale of a season, like I always like to do this where if you're not allowed to call the finale of a Sentai or a Power Ranger season, your favorite episode, what episode would be your favorite? This would be mine because, you know, this is a perfect wrap up of Kotoha's character arc. You know, she, for this entire series, she has been insecure with herself. She thinks that she's not as good as her sister she just views herself as a substitute for her sister. And G points out her, and this is her finally discovering that she is not her sister's substitute. She is who she is, and that is awesome. Kotoha power. Team Kotoha, this episode is awesome. It's my favorite episode besides the finale, and nobody's going to tell me otherwise. And that's all I have to say about this episode. Yeah, it's nice to get resolution on this kind of on and off season long uh, character uh, character problem with her because it, it, it's been it was clear ever since the beginning that she wasn't sure if she was fit for the role and stuff. It wasn't like in your face all the time, but it was clear at times where she was doubting herself. So to finally have closure on this is uh is good especially seeing how we're at the moment in time where everybody's character arcs are kind of wrapping up it's nice to finally have her mm-hmm. razor anthony you want to give your comments i appreciate um Kodoha as a character like she should never feel like she's in my substitute she 
yeah, sure. Under some circumstances, yes, she did. She she received becoming a shikinger, you know, due to what happened to her sister. But I say it just it's fate. It, she was meant to get those powers. And Riz, I I like this episode a lot because Kotaha is precious and must be protected at all costs, except not really because he's a badass and doesn't need to be. Um, that's literally the point of this episode too. I know, right? <laughs> she's a strong, independent woman who don't need no protection. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think Kotaha. I think it's some well-deserved development for Kotaha. Like we got more of her family background, which again, Patrick. We mm-hmm. need that movie special really badly yep. right now. And the more we talk about it, the more I want it. <laughs> so, so uh, that's all I'm going to say here is that this is a really good development. Make a movie. End our suffering, please. Uh, the only other thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say is Samurai botched the adaptation of this episode so horribly. Like, so they <laughs> cut out... <laughs> they cut out the it being in the aftermath to the be- to like the first appearance with Matt with Dokoku. In fact, I'm pretty sure that 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 episode actually came out after this one. Instead, the plot is that Kevin tells Emily that she's too nice, and she spends the rest of the episode trying to be tough. Like, oh, ha ha! She's going through some army training montage with Bulk and Spike. Isn't that funny? That's oh, right. Yeah. I just No, and Emily, like, I liked Emily. Like, she had the same character arc as Kotaha. Why couldn't you just copy this episode? That really makes me angry. Because the writers are stupid. There, I said it. Uh, I'm a samurai. We're going to copy the stuff that didn't need to be copied, but the things that would have been a good idea to copy, nah. <laughs> We're going to do something really stupid with that. When we're gonna have Jaden, like they still do the same thing where like um, the blue, green, pink, and gold rangers all get infected by that spell. But they all, but uh, now of course in the in the Shinkinger episode, the reason why the Red Ranger doesn't get infected is because he's injured and wasn't present in the battle. But in Samurai, they just have it so Jaden, oh, he didn't get hit with enough sand, so he's not affected. Like what? <laughs> Lame. <laughs> no, it takes two clumps to affect him for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. That adaptation really made me angry. Like, okay. Well, anyway, um, Jaden is a terrible character. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he's not a character. He's he's the he's an anomaly. Yeah. So we technically have two episodes left, but they're both a pretty interconnected two-parter. So I'm basically just going to go over uh, both episodes together, and uh, then we'll give our commentary on all of them. Um, Both of them, sorry. Um, So uh, first we have Act 42, The Two Centuries Ambition, where... uh, the um, as the episode begins, we find out um, thanks to how the thanks to a map that Akamaro has previously attacked places that, when you look at them on a map, make a straight line. 
Meanwhile, Akamaro is talking about needing to drive a wedge into a place. And, um, you know, he releases a, uh, one of his Ayakashi to um, go out with the means to create the wedge. And uh, we get a little bit of a subplot with Ginta because the Shinkingers try to uh, search the Shiva archives for some clues, but Ginta can't read it because he never got the formal um, samurai training, which bothers him in this episode, by the way. Uh, Shitari, meanwhile, discovers that Akumaro's ultimate plan is to set up a process called Urami Gando Gaeshi which is basically a process that will allow him to uh, open up the gates of hell to, like, you know, uh, open up the gates of hell, which could not only destroy the human world, but also the Sanzu River, but Akumaro doesn't care because he's just insane and just wants to see hell. Um, and Akumaro also reveals that Juzo is a huge part of this plan, since apparently... Um, the only way for him to truly open the gates to hell is with someone who's neither fully human nor a ghetto shoe. Um, Dayu, meanwhile, warns Juzo that Akumara was using him, but Juzo really doesn't care. And pretty much, uh, you know, in the final third of the episode, uh, the Shinkinders are battling against the, um, against the ghetto shoe of the day, uh, Subat Togoro. Um, while they're battling in a place that's aligned with the rest of the areas that um, Akamaro was attacked. And um, they do manage to defeat the, um, the ghetto shoe, but the wedge that, uh, that um, Akamaro was trying to create still appears. And um, Akamaro actually confronts Juzo and gives him Uramasa, and he reveals that he created Uramasa for the sole reason of opening up the gateway to hell. And not only that, but we find out in a flashback that the um, sword Uramasa was actually created from the soul of um, Juzo's dead wife. Um, what happened was that uh, she really wanted him to give up his life as an assassin, and Akumaro killed her and then created Uramasa from her soul. And if Juzo were to open up the gateway with Uramasa, he would basically be rele he would basically be allowing his wife's soul to rest in peace. Uh, Juzo contemplates over what to do, but as that happens, the wedges start to basically react violently, and uh, they all explode, leaving like these massive holes in the earth, and uh, it you know releases energy, and everyone gets blown away. That then leads to uh, Act Forty Three, One Last Sword, which is going to be the last episode we cover here, where Genta. Um, as it begins, Genta finds um, Juzo unconscious and considers killing him since he knows that if Juzo got, is gone, Akamara's plan will fail. But he also can't bring himself to do it because Juzo has a family and he doesn't want to kill someone who wants to free the soul of his family. 
and uh, he actually confesses that he didn't do it to the other Shinkingers, and uh, Chucky and Mako defend him, but Ryunosuke being Ryunosuke puts him down and says that he should have taken his chance, and this causes Genta to doubt if he really is a samurai. Um, Genta actually goes to Juzo and begs him not to uh, not to go through with it, but Juzo just laughs at him and says that he's not a real samurai and he's boring. But then Ryunosuke and Chiaki show up and they both defend him, and even Ryunosuke acknowledges that Genta is a true samurai. Um, the Shinkenders arrive at the center of these uh, of these uh, wedges where uh, Juzo was supposed to basically like slash open the area and you know um, which would open the gateway to hell. But in a major twist, uh, Juzo actually attacks Akamaro. He slashes him, revealing that he knew Akamaro. Um, the true reason behind Uramasa's existence the whole time, and basically he just doesn't care because you know he he basically just says that he's a ghetto shoe and he doesn't care about saving his wife's soul. Um, and he destroys the wedges and the gateway that leads to hell, and thus Akamaro's plan is ruined. Akamaro attacks the Shinkingers, and as Juzo and Daiyu both retreat. The Shinkingers defeat Akamaro, and then they combine the Kyoryu Origami with Samurai Ha'o to form... I guess it would be called Kyoryu Samurai Ha'o, but it's not really given a, an official name. But they use that to defeat Akamaro. And as the episode ends, Genta acknowledges that he, they need to defeat the Ghetto Shu no matter what. And the Shinkingers return to the Shima Mansion to celebrate Christmas. And... That's how uh, this two-parter ends. Um, Akamaro has been destroyed, and we are now approaching the uh, final stretch of Shinkinger. Um, so go ahead, guys. Uh, what did you guys think of this uh, two-parter? Both of everyone. Yeah. I don't really get why this, I guess, took so long to get to, because... I guess he was just, they were just waiting for a moment where Dokuku was out of the picture before they had Akamaru go through with this plan. But yeah, cool, high, high action, high intensity. It wasn't really much in the, it wasn't really much in terms of character for this outside of meeting Juzo and showing how much of a deranged psychopath he is. <laughs> yeah, that sword is made from the soul of your wife and the rest of your clan. I know lol kills him anyway. You know, what, yeah, what a perfectly sane man he is. But, Do you think the Samurai episode had a little bit more emotion? Because, you know, unlike Juzo, who was like, you know... Okay, now this was more like... I, I hate to give Samurai credit, but I kind of have to. Like, I think Decker is a little bit more sympathetic than Juzo, because like he actually had a wife and he was happily married. And so later, that was Akamaru's counterpart, guys, like literally took some stuff away from him. So it kind of makes sense more like why he would turn on Serrator. I do think Shinkinger's story still is obviously better because they because Samurai doesn't really do much with Decker's sympathetic backstory. But I do think Samurai's makes a little bit more sense if well, only I, by accident. I can give Samurai the props that 
uh, Dayu and Juzo's counterparts, because of Dayu and Juzo's backstories being very messed up, they couldn't really translate those into for a Western audience without it being like heavily censored. So they, the changes they made to their backstories in general were actually pretty solid, and I think very acceptable uh, rewrites. So I'll, that's like probably one of the best things Samurai did was kind of censored them, but kept them interesting in their own right. Um, because <laughs> even when, when I got to this part the first time, even I was like, oh man, Juzo, they're, they're really pushing Juzo's uh, insanity, with, even for Japanese television a little bit here. Um, yeah. Uh, but... This this is just more it's, of like a a climactic ending to Akamaru more than it is anything else. Just to clean up some of the bad guys before we get to the the real end game stuff. Do you think though maybe it would have been better if they did this episode earlier? Because you know we were complaining about how Samurai Ho gets introduced like in such a like nothing episode. Like, well, actually, maybe they could have. Back when we were talking about that, I actually said that this is would have been the better episode to introduce Samurai Ha'o. Would that have been a little bit too late? Probably, because he would have only had two appearances at that point, probably. But maybe, like move it, move this final battle like ahead. And then, and then maybe just give us a couple of filler episodes. Yeah. Because- yeah, maybe move the Dokuku coming out, getting weak, having to be taken out of the picture, then, then he goes through with this plan while Dokuku's out of the way, and then maybe put a couple of the character filler arcs, like Kotaha's and stuff, here? Yeah. And stuff like that? Cause, yeah. Because here's the thing, like, ladies and gentlemen, like, like, we're at the end of this, like, we're at the end of this batch of episodes. The very next episode basically it's, is the beginning of the end of the final story yeah. arc. So, a couple of filler episodes between this little story and then the finale. Yeah, like I think that's acceptable. Yeah, the calm before the storm. This is kind of like a major villain death, and then immediately the final arc. Most series and stuff usually give you like two or three episodes of calm before that. So I think that would have fixed your problem with Samurai Ha'o's first appearance on on top of it. It, this two-parter actually not kind of rushing into something else of relevance. Yeah. Uh, Riz, you want to give your thoughts on this? Because you've been pretty quiet. Yeah, so I'm going to sum this two-parter up with what I said when I came into this voice call tonight, Nate. That was intense. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it definitely that was worked. really intense. Um, like the last three or four episodes, excluding the Kotaha episode, those are pretty intense in terms of like, oh my god, things are happening now. So, yeah, it was. I I enjoyed the two parter, and if this is the calm before the storm, then oh my god, we're in for a ride. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's really the calm before the storm. I think it's more like, 
Oh, you thought that storm was uh, pretty bad? Well, here's a worse one coming up for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, was there any other commentary? No, no. I'm going to keep this in brief because I think my just saying it's intense and then what Patrick and you talked about yeah. pretty much sums up what I'm going to say anyway. Yeah, because there really yeah. wasn't, this really wasn't meant to like push the story forward. This was meant to close the stuff so there really is much to say i i think the um you know normally this is where uh, i would move us into like uh, doing some character discussions but i don't think that's necessary here because we've talked about takeru i think we did some good commentary on ryunosuke mako and genta definitely some on kotoha uh do we have anything we want to add on chaki because i don't Aside from the episode where he gets glued together with Ryunosuke, he didn't really do much in this batch. No, um, he's useless. I think I think we should hold off the character discussions until the next part because outside of Takaru, everybody's character arcs at this point are pretty much finished. So we should save those for the closing character thoughts in the next episode. Okay. We have every. Yeah. What do we think of, uh, I guess, just to briefly, because we're, we don't really need to talk about him in the next episode, what do we think of Akumaro as a, as a villain? Because his whole thing is wrapped up. Like, will we say that he's, like, you know, a pretty good one? Because, I mean, I personally, like, watching this again, I really enjoyed his, uh, you know, just how insane. Like, he had a very interesting plan to me. Um, and, you know, I really like villains that are kind of like double agents, but what do you guys think of? Well, I've always been a big fan of uh, Juzo and Dayu because the whole humans turn Kidoshu dynamic that those two have was always interesting, and he really brought out the backstory for those two a lot. Mostly Juzo. And it kind of helped us dive into just how insane those two were. So I uh -huh. think his role for those two was important. But I always appreciate a villain who kind of adds a some kind of conflict within the villain group. And yeah, those villains are always much appreciated. He really did a good job of that. Because the the Gadoshu have always had very weird interactions with each other because like Dokaku hates Juzo, but Juzo doesn't give a crap about Dokaku. And now you got Akamaru who's like He's afraid of Dokaku, but he's not afraid to, like, teabag him behind his back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when he gets caught, he bails, and then Dokaku's out of the way. He's like, okay, this is my ship now. And then gets dropped instantly after that. So it, it's, it's not... It's, it's, I'm going to be holding the villain standard to Jetman, but that's just not fair. Um, because Jetman did that amazingly well with its villains but so i always appreciate it absolutely and then uh kind of shaking things up and giving the villains some kind of internal conflict amongst themselves he's not that memorable in that role i guess but i guess he did his job what about you riz yeah, I'm going to echo Patrick here in that I enjoy a good villain that can 
ruffled the feathers of the other villains and caused more internal strife to make the story more interesting. Uh, having a standard villain with no conflict except their own desire to destroy the world. After a couple of seasons of Sentai and Rangers, it kind of gets old, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. So, so having having something like this where there's a new conflict from within that that's entertaining, and I I greatly appreciate seeing it. Okay. I don't think we really uh, don't need to really talk about the rest of the villains just yet, since their stories are still ongoing. Uh, yeah. Just wanted to briefly comment on Akamaro. Um, any further comments or any closing thoughts, guys? I wasn't here for the last episode, but did you acknowledge that his voice actor is Vegeta's? Is that something that you touched upon? No, oh, we didn't. I didn't know that. That's pretty yeah. cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, his voice actor is the same voice actor for uh, Vegeta and uh, Captain Falcon from in oh, the Smash Bros. Wow. Yeah, so you, you, he does a very good job of covering up, but when he does the screams, you can kind of hear his Vegeta voice in there somewhere, but it's very faint. <clears throat> yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you have any closing thoughts, Riz? Join us next time when Riz figures out is Talker hot garbage or not. <laughs> yeah, we yep. are entering the final arc starting next episode. So yeah. yep. next time we will be covering the final six episodes of Shinkinger. Uh, the very next episode is basically a prelude, and then the, and then you basically have a five-part uh, finale. Uh, we will be covering the finale. Holy crap! We're in for a real intense ride. Yeah. Oh yeah. We hope you guys will join us for that when we finally wrap up our Shinkinger adventure. We hope you guys have enjoyed this video. We thank you so much for watching. Or if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, we thank you guys for listening. Um, If you're not already subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe. Um, Be sure to give a like to this video and leave a comment down below with what your thoughts are. Uh, Check Anime Secrets out on uh, all of their, uh, on their main page, AnimeSecrets.org, as well as their social media pages, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, other than that, we once again thank you guys so much for watching, and we will see you guys next time with the grand finale of our Samurai's journey, but we got to get some rest before that, but we will see you guys next time, so later guys, and may the power protect you.